0: Your manufactured homes are built in a factory. Uh, In the case of a double-wide, it comes in two pieces. They bring it out, you buy land, you clear the land, you get a nice space for it, you grade it, and then they come out and they actually set it on footers.
1: What attracted you to this, considering that your personal investments are in singles, duplexes, and triplexes?
0: This is truly affordable housing. This is something that most people can afford that are working. Generally, you're in for... Somewhere between 45 and 60.
1: My mind is going, going. why would I even do my next flip up here in Canada? Like we said, 60 to 80K. So if you can come up with, I mean, that's almost like a 60-70 ROI, isn't it?
2: Hey investors, you're listening to the Investing to Win podcast. The show dedicated to empowering investors to achieve financial freedom and live your best life. This show is committed to offering honest conversation between investors, comments and strategies, real-time market updates and professional guidance to achieving financial freedom. Investing doesn't have to be super hands-on or complicated. We're all about passive investments with real gain so you have freedom of time and money. Your host is none other than Garrett Wong, who brings decades of experience in buying, renovating and managing cash flow investment properties. Thanks for being here and get ready to invest to win. Good
1: afternoon, this is Garrett Wong, your host of the Investing to Win podcast. As you can see here, I have another guest in our studio, Sean Hart. How are you?
0: Good. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing very well. So the topic today is mobile home investment. Uh, Sean reached out to me, audience. just because this is quite a unique space, obviously, this is a real estate investing podcast, but why don't we back up, Sean, and why don't you tell the audience a little bit about your background and uh, how you came into the space?
0: Yeah, so I actually started... So at 17, I got hit by a drunk driver, which pretty much ended sports for me, got in a lot of trouble. Uh, went into some dark places for about five years and uh, finally you know, decided one day, it just kind of clicked and realized I, I needed to get my stuff together, you know, um, actually moved from Florida back up to New York and I was working 96 hours a week and at a gas station, you know, after that I went to some more blue collar jobs, loading and unloading trailers. And I just kept thinking like, there has to be a better way. There has to be an easier way than to just constantly break your back for, for the next dollar. And I found that in real estate. And I actually started out as a long-term investor, so I bought rental properties and we house hacked and that's how we bought our first three properties until the cash flow started building up and we were able to purchase them and we ended up buying uh, 29 units, enough for me to be able to retire from the trucking industry. I ended up getting my CDL in there and uh, two years, about, about a year later, I ended up getting my real estate license and my goal now is to help uh, people just like myself, you know, especially people that are blue collar, just trying to really save for that retirement and build that retirement and learn to invest differently than just their 401k to be able to have the same opportunity that I've had and show them the way.
1: Okay. Uh, You kind of uh, snapped your fingers. I feel like I went through back to the future and, and, or the matrix and missed an entire segment there. Tell me a little bit more about how you went from zero to 29 units there. I mean, yeah. Enlighten us a little bit.
0: Um, so yeah, I started out, we bought, my wife wanted a house and I, uh, you know, I didn't want a mortgage. And so we, you know, I kind of started doing some research and I found duplexes and that was kind of the thing was, you know, it was like, Hey, we could move into this. And at the time I found out we don't need 20 to 25% down. We only need three and a half percent down. So, you know, my wife kind of fought me on it. And her mom was like, that's a fantastic idea. You know, of course mom knows best. So then all of a sudden it was a great idea. So that's what we ultimately ended up doing. Moved into one side, we had a tenant on the other side. They paid our mortgage and then we had a little bit left over. Uh, I ended up getting my CDL, you know, making a little bit more money. So we were able to save up. We did the same thing for the second house. So we ended up doing 5% down on a conventional loan, moved into it, rented out the unit we were in. So we did that three times. And then after that, we had enough cash flow coming in every month that we were able to save that up. And then we took it and bought fixer upper properties instead of just turnkey properties and started, you know, doing more of the construction, more of the rehabbing, you know, have that equity built into the property and then rent them out for maximum cash flow.
1: Okay. So, um, so you moved from like, how often were you moving in this or did you stay in? Sorry, I did. I miss, might've missed that. Did you stay in one or?
0: Yeah, so we stayed in the first one for a year, the second one for a year, and the third one for about 6 months before okay. we bought our own house.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah, I love house hacking. Um I haven't uh I have some relatives that have done it. I've got a guest coming on in a, in a couple of weeks that is almost an expert in it. So you're you're doing this house hacking and then was that catalyst kind of to be able to the real estate portfolio? Like we do see this, but I kind of want you to dissect that a little bit.
0: Yeah, so that was the, the catalyst that got us moving into being able to purchase more properties without having to move into them. We were able to go from you know, having to move into these where the, as the cash flow builds up and you start buying more properties and you start getting more of a monthly return, you're able to basically uh, become self-funding where the cash flow coming in is enough every month to start building up so that every couple months I can buy a house without using, you know, my money. It's the rental income money.
1: Right. And then you said you got your realtor's license. Where in this journey, at what point did you decide to do that?
0: So that was actually last year. I went and got my real estate license. Uh, We ended up moving out of New York uh, almost four years ago, came down to Georgia and that's where we're at now. And then last year it was just one of those things where, you know, I realized I could help a lot of people. A lot of people in the same place that I was in, and I really wanted to do that. And I knew having that real estate license was kind of going to give me a little bit more access to be able to help people as, versus just being a traditional investor.
1: Okay. So 29 units, and the majority of the portfolio you said are duplexes, or there's a little bit of a mix now?
0: Yep. So we've got single family duplexes and triplexes.
1: Okay. So speak to me about mobile homes. I mean, you reached out. I don't invest in them. I mean, up here in Winnipeg, Canada, obviously we have uh, different options there, but what made you even look at that asset class?
0: So when we moved to Georgia, we realized compared to upstate New York, the the housing prices are astronomical in upstate New York. You can buy a turnkey house stick built for $125,000 coming down here. It's so much different. It's three hundred, four hundred, five hundred thousand just for like your standard house. And you know it was one of those things where it was like there's not really anything any affordable housing left for people that you know the the average American can only afford about two hundred and twenty five two hundred fifty thousand dollar house. and yet you've got all these houses in the four five hundred thousand dollar range. Where's the divide? where do you find the opportunity to provide affordable housing and that's how we found the, ma- the mobile homes the manufactured homes
1: okay so manufactured homes um maybe explain that just again for the audience what are we talking about here
0: so your manufactured homes are built in a factory uh, in the case of a double wide it comes in two pieces they bring it out you buy land you clear the land You get a nice space for it, you grade it, and then they come out and they actually set it on footers, concrete. They build up concrete footers for it so that it can sit level and they come out and they level it and then they, it's what you call, marry it together. So that way it's it's an actual home and it sits on that land and you have the option to either leave it separate from the land and have uh, like a DMV, like a tag, or you can marry it to the land And retire the title, and then it becomes part of the land as well, the improvement of the land.
1: I see. So it's either a vehicle, like a mobile home, if you will, Mm -hmm. that's on the land, and it's a designation. And then if you want, you can sort of say, okay, it's no longer a vehicle. It's a house that's an asset, part of the land. It's now being, what, sold together?
0: Yes, as long as it has a permanent foundation.
1: Okay. So... um, I have so many questions, Sean. Um, so let let's uh let's back up because I don't want to be all over the place. Um when you speak about a manufactured home, what comes to my mind is an RTM, um, you know, ready to move home that we might have up here. But sometimes those are again, they're they're built the same way. Um cottages and things like that, they might be double wides, but not necessarily in terms of thinking about it as a mobile home that's being put on on blocks? Because a lot of the RTMs up here are being put either onto a slab or onto a poured foundation for a basement. Is there any difference there?
0: Uh, I don't think there's really much of a difference. I've actually never heard the term RTM. Uh, you know, that might just be more of a Canadian thing. Sure. But generally speaking, um, based on the way you're explaining it, I'd say it's almost exactly the same.
1: Okay. Because when you said mobile home, I was thinking like trailer park or investing in trailer parks. Uh, I think what you're talking about here is more of a, well, why don't I let you explain it instead of me guessing?
0: So that's, it's exactly the same thing, mobile home parks. So generally you okay. can have it in a park or you can have it on an individual lot. Okay. So what we and what are, what are you proposing
1: lots. here? Sorry, I interrupted
0: you. Go ahead. Oh, you're good. So what we do is we do individual lots. Where you can actually buy that mobile home or that manufactured home and put it on your own personal lot. And as an investor, you can buy those mobile homes, put it on a lot that you've purchased, do the foundations, the decks, all that, get them ready to sell. And then you can sell them off to an end buyer, someone that's looking to live in that property or rent it out.
1: Okay. And what, uh, what attracted you to this, considering that your personal investments are in singles, duplexes, and triplexes?
0: It was, well, number one, it's, it's always an opportunity. You know, anytime an opportunity presents itself, you want to take advantage of those opportunities because they don't always last long. And two, it was the aspect of this is truly affordable housing. This is something that most people can afford that are working.
1: Okay, so run some numbers for me then, maybe some comparisons. I mean, I know, I mean, this is uh, probably anybody in North America listening, but let's take an, um maybe scale it. Maybe there's an average, you're in a market with a $300,000 single family home price, okay? Mm-hmm. For a three bedroom, 1,400 square foot house. Speak to me in that same market, what the cost would be to buy land and put a mobile uh, manufactured home onto it.
0: So I can tell you, just from the mobile homes we're doing right now, generally, if you stay out outside of the the bigger cities, you're going to be roughly between ten and fifteen thousand dollars an acre. Okay. You're going to buy that. You're going to buy the mobile home. It's going to be between seventy and eighty thousand. The permits are usually seven eight hundred bucks, nothing crazy, and then you've got your guy that's going to come out and he's going to clear your land. He's going to grade it. You need a septic tank. In most in a lot of the counties that we work in, and that's for your sewage. So that's gonna be roughly about twelve thousand dollars. You're gonna have somebody come in and pour your concrete footers, that's usually about four thousand. Your mobile home's gonna arrive, they're gonna marry it together. Your delivery of that mobile home is usually about twelve thousand dollars. Once it's on the property and it's married together. You're going to need to do your block foundation, your permanent foundation. That's about fifty-five hundred dollars, and then you've got decks that are about seven thousand dollars. And the guy that does your septic tank, in our case, also does your water lines. And then you have your electric, and your water taps. Depending on what county you're in, your water tap uh, price changes. For one of the counties we're in, it's sixteen hundred bucks. And then you have your electrical come out, which is generally about a thousand dollars.
1: Okay. So all in, that sounds like another, I don't know, 25 ish. Yes. Okay. So 25 plus your land plus um, how much did you save for a typical manufactured home?
0: Usually between 70 and 80,000 for brand new. Okay.
1: So all in, what would you estimate there um, for everything?
0: Generally you're going to be all in depending on the price of the land. Uh, It's going to be somewhere between 140 and 155, 160.
1: Okay. And that's in a market, like I said, that happens to have about a three hundred thousand dollar entry point. Okay. And then, what are you doing with these? Are you renting them out? Are you selling these to ordinary folk? Um, What's What's the end goal here?
0: So it's It's going to be up to the investor. Some of them rent them out. Well, you know, some of them sell them. If you sell them generally, you're going to be somewhere in the 215 to 240 range on a sales price.
1: Okay. Okay, so there's a there's an upsell here too. Absolutely. And then um if somebody chooses to rent them out, so you've got a 200 to 15 240k uh, market value, you're into it for 140 to 160, so you're getting about 50 to 75 K of equity instantly. Mm-hmm. And then you choose to rent it out. Obviously put down 25%. I know I'm doing numbers and I'm not going to have this on the screen audience. <laughs> I apologize, but um, kind of doing my rain man thing mortgage of 120. What are we renting these things out for in this um, perceived market?
0: Uh, depending on the area here in Georgia, they can go anywhere from about 12 to 1500 a month.
1: Okay. Okay. So, I mean, the 300k house. What a, I mean, what are they renting for in your market right now?
0: Usually, somewhere between 25 to 2700.
1: Okay, a month. so about an extra thousand dollars, but at the same time, um, you have that the mortgage is a lot, lot less. Mm-hmm. And these are brand new, right. right? So now you're getting maximum rent. Um, what about um, things like? Maintenance costs I mean with brand new obviously there's a, there's a good thing there too another benefit
0: so the beautiful thing about it is they come with ten year warranties because they are brand new
1: What has the interest been like like how long have you been doing this
0: so we've been doing it for about eight about eight months now. The interest is astronomical um, you know it's we have preferred lenders that we're using and we're just constantly just feeding them leads. We do a lot of social media ads and people you know give us Give us their emails and we send them out to the preferred lenders or, you know, get them scheduled to do showings and stuff. And it's it's been insane. So
1: what about the um, you said like 10 to 15? I'm I'm looking down here because I have my notebook 10 to 15 K an acre. Um, How big of a lot are you are you trying to scope out for these things?
0: So that's it's going to depend on the county. Each county has a minimum lot size that's required for manufactured homes. Uh, the county that we're typically in is an acre and a half.
1: Okay. And I mean, at least up here in Canada, if we're rural like that, with a septic tank or septic field, I mean, a lot of those rules come into play. Would that be the same down there where you are? Yes. Okay. And is that is there a reason why you're targeting rural um, rather than, um, I don't know, a suburbial lot or something closer to a city centre?
0: So, uh, unfortunately, when you get near bigger cities, there's a lot more restrictions. They don't allow mobile homes in a lot of areas. There's very limited spots that you can actually put mobile homes in when you get into cities, into bigger cities. And I actually just read an article before I hopped on here. Uh, Hagerstown, Maryland, is actually loosening their regulations on mobile homes. And they actually put like 200 out last year. Because the housing prices are getting so out of control that this is becoming the most affordable option for people. And it's not like it used to be back in the 60s and 70s. These are nice mobile homes. These are top notch. I mean, you get the same upgrades in these that you would a stick built house.
1: Oh, I know. And you could argue that they're better built because they have to withstand the rigors of delivery.
0: Absolutely. And they are. They're built to HUD specification.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, would you want to expand on that?
0: So HUD is your your governing agency that says they have to be built basically to the same standard as a stick-built house. You know, you have to have certain spacing on your framing. You have to have certain insulation. You have to use certain floor. It's not you can't just throw them together like they used to be able to do before the seventies.
1: Okay, so um, up to code, obviously. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, when I say. I'm going to uh, sort of expand on that for the audience, at least with my knowledge here of what we call RTMs, manufactured homes. When you have um, basically a house that's stick built on site, it's you pour the foundation or the, the whatever it's going to be, or a basement, and you're stick building this thing all over, and that's fine. The framing is there, and then you're going to put typically your wallboard or your drywall, and you know, mm-hmm. and you're finishing it. But then it gets painted and everybody knows when you've got a house that moves what happens we get cracks in it so at least up here in Canada when we when we build these RTMs quite honest you know we might put plywood or OSB um, on top of the studs before the, the the wallboard or the drywall because it has to withstand the rigors of that that delivery and prevent the cracking and everything else um, so i would argue that those houses are better built they probably have better Um, sound uh, transmission class type of um, filters on it too. Would you agree?
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: We're talking about investment here too. I'm I'm curious, passive investing, this is a term that you used for this. They might not understand that. Can you maybe explain what it means in the context of mobile home
0: investments? So when it comes to, to the mobile home investment side, we have the experience, the knowledge, and the systems in place especially right here in Georgia and parts of Florida, that we can actually do A to Z, one-stop shop. An investor comes in, they all they have to do is write the checks. We handle everything from ordering the mobile home to pulling all the permits, the grading, the septics, the decks, everything. So all they have to do is write checks, and then they get a big check back at the end.
1: Okay, and that's as an investment presumably because they're injecting funds into the project and then it's going to be sold? Yes, sir. Okay. What about if somebody wants to come in and put a tenant in place? What happens then? What do they do?
0: They could either do... So we have a management fee. That's what we charge to go along with this. So that management fee comes into play when they sell it at the end. But if they do choose to go ahead and put a tenant in there, they can either pay us out on the management fee and cash, not cash necessarily, but check, wire, or they can do a cash out refi, however they choose to do it. We just have the management fee that we have to be taken care of as well.
1: Now, when you say management, you're talking the project itself, right?
0: Yes, from start Um, to finish.
1: Okay. And then at that point, then somebody wants to put a tenant in place when I think management, I'm thinking property management because we have a property management company as well. Um, do you refer out so that like, cause I'm thinking an out of town investor might reach out to you guys, write the checks, but they want to actually get passive income and cash flow from this. Cause it sounds like there's a good opportunity here. How would you direct them at that point?
0: So we actually have one of our, our great agents here. Um, she's actually filling in as our broker right now. She, also does property management so we actually can refer them to property management as well
2: did you know there's a big difference between investing in real estate and becoming a real estate investor people become real estate investors all the time they get into a flip or conversion project or even dealing with long-term tenants and they come back to us to tell us the same thing it's like having another full-time job i don't know about you but that's not what we call investing. Investing in real estate is about having your money work for you in a way that is passive, consistent, most importantly, hands off. So which one are you? Do you wanna be a real estate investor or do you want to invest in real estate? For those that are open to investing in real estate and having your money work for you, listen up. Garrett Wong has spent decades helping thousands of property owners navigate the ins and outs of property investing and management through his award-winning company, Upper Edge Property Management. Their new division, Wong Capital, is currently involved in multiple projects, from single family flips to multifamily development. Are you looking for a healthy return on your invested capital or perhaps becoming a joint venture partner? If so, go to www.wongcapitalcorp.com forward slash invest to book a time to speak with Garrett and his team to see if there's a fit. Once again, the link is www.wongcapitalcorp.com forward slash invest. Now, back to the show.
1: So then it truly becomes a long-term passive investment.
0: Yep, an all-in-house.
1: Okay, what do you see um, in terms, I know it's only been about eight months, but you said you know uh, things are really, really busy, lots of interest. What is the ratio that you've seen between people who want to just get the quick money versus the, the slow nickel, if you will?
0: So I would say, rentals? generally as a whole, from what we've seen in the investors that we work with currently, they're all selling them.
1: Why? Why would you think that is? It's just because the uh, the upside is just so good for the short money.
0: Uh, I think I think for the fact that it's a about a four month process, start to finish, and you can get quick cash. And a lot of them, I don't know. Well, manufactured homes in the past, there's kind of that stigma that you know they just they don't hold value, they wear down super fast. And I think a lot of our investors don't want to hold on to that with no appreciation in the mobile home. So I okay. think it's, I think it's just kind of that stigma that, you know, if it's not going to value 10 years from now, then I should just sell it off.
1: I see. Okay. Yeah. I, sorry. I've got my long-term property management hat on there. So, um, <laughs> because passive investing of course is you want a return on your dollar mm-hmm. and, and correct me. Did you just say four months? Yes. That is incredibly fast. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Walk us through again. Um, Just sort of expand on that. So, you know, you said land and like kind of do a deeper dive for the audience.
0: So step by step, we're going to, you know, find an area that makes sense for to buy a parcel of land that's zoned for mobile homes. We're going to go out. We're going to walk it. We're going to make sure that it works. Purchase that piece of land. Like I said, about 10 to 15 K an acre. Once we have the land secured, we're then going to move along. We're going to go and start applying for permits. We're going to pull all the permits that we can. You know, There's very specific orders you have to do them. So it, gets, it can be, get complicated, which is why we prefer the passive investor as far as the mobile homes go, just for the fact that them trying to figure out the permits, especially when it changes per county, gets very complicated. Uh, from there, once we get the permits, we get our guy out there to clear the land he grades the land. The initial grading comes out. They'll throw the septic tank in. At that point, the mobile home. Uh, generally, I believe it's about ten days for them to fully build and stock the mobile home. So within two weeks, you've got you can get the mobile home out to the land as long as you have the permits. And then the moving company brings it out. They put it together. Um, you've got a little more grading that needs to be done, like around the mobile home. You know, generally in the yard, septic tanks in. You got to connect all your plumbing. Now you need your foundation. Uh, You get your decks on during that process. And then there's a couple more permits you have to go through during the process. You know, make sure that it's up to code. They come out, they check on them. They make sure the work's being done correctly and up to par. Once that occurs, we're going to start marketing them when they're about 80% done so that we can start bringing people in and showing them, Hey, this is what we got going on. And hopefully, you know, the goal is always to have them under contract before they're even finished so that we can close here. It's, it's roughly about 28 days to close.
1: Wow, that's so organized. I love it. I mean, I flip a lot of properties here and I'm thinking like some, I mean, minimum it's four to six months when you flip a property and you're dealing with older things for probably less profit than what you're talking about i mean obviously there's different ways to flip Uh, up here flipping we don't have a a lot of like bouncing up and down in Mm -hmm. terms of property values so we just have to try to find a distressed property in order to flip it what you're talking about here is almost a sure thing however let's let's challenge you a little bit what um what is the sales like for mobile homes compared to a traditional, you know, detached single family home.
0: Um, what do you mean by sales? So, well,
1: I guess days on market, that type of thing. Um, obviously it's a lower price point, so there's a lower barrier to entry. So, I mean, is that basically all it is? And you're just seeing that they sell even faster than comparable types of asset classes?
0: I would say yes, absolutely. Because your your audience is different than your traditional buyers. You're, you're in a little bit of a, an area of people that never thought they would be able to own anything. So when they have an opportunity to own something, they're all over it. And these are people that need affordable housing.
1: So my next question then is financing. And I'm going to ask this in two parts, one from the investor themselves mm-hmm. and one from the homeowner. So let's let's work backwards Is it harder to find financing on a manufactured home as a first-time home buyer or just a buyer itself compared to a a single-family detached?
0: So we actually have the mobile home dealership license in-house, which also means that when we put it on a permanent foundation and we list that property, it is eligible for USDA, FHA, conventional, all of them.
1: Okay. So there's no complications? Not at all. Not like buying a cottage or something that's not built on, nope, you know, stilts or something same like that. traditional
0: <laughs> financing you would get with a stick-built home.
1: Well, that's easy. Um, let me ask the second part question. Then, as an investor coming in, are there any other types of challenges that uh, that you're seeing or can foresee with a, an investor coming in with cash?
0: I don't foresee any roadblocks or anything. It's just more so, you know, we have been doing this long enough now that we kind of have we're known within the counties that we're in. And that's tremendous. And it makes it a lot easier when you go in and, you know, you know, the order of everything. Um, You know, obviously, interest rates play a huge part. Um, You know, the higher the interest rates go, it prices people out of the market. So as long as they keep coming down, this is only going to get more and more lucrative.
1: And what typically in your market do you have to put down as a down payment?
0: So it's, are you talking about for the end buyer or for the investor?
1: Uh, for the investor cuz you said about 140 to 160 um, all in
0: so the mobile home itself depending on how many you buy you can actually get special financing from the the manufacturer themselves and it's 10% down
1: ah okay that mm-hmm. <laughs> <so that'll, laughs> that's a good wrinkle <laughs> yeah so
0: instead of paying 70 to 80,000 in cash for the mobile home it's 10% down
1: so and that's because you're ordering it from a factory and it's not attached to the land yet
0: that's just uh that's just the special financing they do through the manufacturer that if you order so many mobile homes that they actually do the okay. financing in-house
1: and then what about the land? How does financing work for that? So
0: generally, you can go and get uh, more traditional financing on the land or you can just pay cash generally you know ten to fifteen thousand and it's such a, a low barrier to entry for what most investors are used to that generally they just buy cash
1: well yeah, I mean. You said 10 to 15 an acre, you said acre and a half, Mm -hmm. call that, let's even call it 15 and then 10% of a 70 to 80 K manufactured home. I mean, so basically you're probably putting in 25 until the end. I mean, there must be something else. Yeah.
0: So you still have to pay for, uh, like the greater, the septic, all that. So generally you're in for somewhere between 45 and 60 on average.
1: 45 and 60. For four months, um, and plus, whatever it takes to sell, right? And then, so that is what are the typical days
0: to to sell it?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I forgot you said it takes two weeks to build these things. Incredible! (laughs) I'm loving this, by the way. I'm, 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 my mind is going going, why would I even do my next flip up here in Canada? And I have to worry about, it's minus 20 outside today. Um, <laughs>
0: it's been cold here yeah, too. <laughs> we, we won't,
1: yeah, we won't go there though. Uh, we won't go there, Sean. Um, and then I'm trying to do the math here. Like we said, 60 to 80 K. So if you can come up with, I mean, that's almost like a 60, 70 ROI, isn't it? Yep. I mean, am I doing doing my 60% ROI even higher? It's almost double.
0: Yeah, you should be right around there.
1: Yeah, I'm just, uh, I was gonna ask you what the advantages are. (laughs) I think we're covering a lot of them. Do you see any other risks or disadvantages in this asset class?
0: The only risks that I see associated with it is, uh, you know, the the rules, the ordinances, you know, uh, as growth pushes more into areas, you know, there becomes more restrictions and obviously the more restrictions, the less we can do in those areas. That's why we generally stay outside of those. Uh, but like here in Georgia, we're right up the I-85 corridor. and I mean, all the growth is coming up right to Greenville, South Carolina. So I say probably about another five to seven years before it's going to be difficult in this area to be able to get it done. But there's many, many areas that it can ha- it can happen in any state, really. You know, you just got to work within their rules.
1: Okay. And when you say getting it done, I mean, if you've had it done already, the rules are kind of just sort of creeping outwards outside of that rural center. Is that like what we're talking about?
0: Yeah. Once, once the growth starts coming up, they generally start getting a little more restrictive on where the mobile homes can be because they want the the big fancy houses. They want people to to drive up I-85 or get off an exit and see these big, beautiful buildings you know there's there's such a stigma with manufactured homes that it's still basically like that 1950s 1960s thought process of this is just like a shack that you know people yeah. are like I don't want those anywhere near our city center but the reality is it's not like that anymore these are built almost to the same standard as any other home
1: yeah, well, you mentioned um, that you have taken the route of buying an actual parcel of land. Um, are, is there any interest or have you explored an actual park? And what would that look like?
0: Uh, so we have, we've thought about doing mobile home parks. We haven't done one yet. And we will in the future. Uh, it's just really learning the codes, learning the process. You know, it's, it's a lot more expansive. It's, it's almost like doing a development. For stick built homes, that's kind of the standard, even though, you know, it's it's a lot simpler process for us to get the mobile homes out there. The general consensus of getting the approvals, getting, you know, the zoning changes if necessary and getting the permits pulled for it is just there's a lot more paperwork involved in knowing the process. And until we know that process start to finish, that's just not something that we're going to explore until we're firm on it and know that it's going to work.
1: So what makes a good area for a target for you guys? What, what are the criteria you're looking at?
0: Uh, the biggest thing is zone for mobile homes. <laughs> okay. um, yeah. You know, generally a rural area. Uh, that's where you're going to find a lot of people that generally just kind of want somewhere to live. You know, they're renting and they would prefer to own something. And a lot of these people, that just don't think they're ever going to own anything. And this is an opportunity for them to get in. And one of the big things that we've actually been doing is we've been doing closing cost assistance. So our investors are actually giving anywhere from five to $10,000 in closing cost assistance. And some of these people are getting in a home for as little as a thousand dollars.
1: Wow. And is, are they getting the money back like these investors?
0: It comes, it'll come off of the top off of their profit because it's, it's assistance, but it, hell, it also helps sell these houses even faster. Sure. Because yeah, people uh, see, even I lower can barrier to entry for a thousand dollars into a home. <laughs> yeah. You know.
1: And it's brand new. Brand new. Great. With 10 year yeah. warranty. It's brand new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um amazing. Um boy, so with anybody who's wanting to try to get into this on their own, let's say that they're not in Georgia, any advice or tips that you might might send to them?
0: I would say learn the codes. That's going to be your biggest thing. You need to know your codes and ordinances. Know your state laws and regulations and your county and the city if you're doing it inside city limits. So it's it's expansive. You you really need to look into it. You really need to learn the process. But it's very doable. And you do not need a real estate license to do it. The only thing you need the real estate license for is to sell the home at the end.
1: Right. But, of course, you could sub that out if uh, if you really needed Absolutely.
0: to. Right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I I think this has been really, really, really helpful. So in terms of trends and looking ahead, what do you see in this space? And, and, you know, how can potential investors prepare for those developments?
0: I see we're, we're going to go in two directions. We're going to have a renter, more of a renter nation where people are renting instead of living because they don't want the responsibility of maintaining a yard in the house. And you're going to have people that go towards the mobile homes, the manufactured homes, because they are affordable. And people want somewhere affordable that they can live so that they can live outside of paying bills.
1: Any other tips or tricks that you would recommend for people here?
0: Get involved. Start, start investing. If you're on the fence, make the jump. It's, it's hands down. In my opinion, it's the best thing you could ever do it's the greatest alternative or supplement to a 401k that you could ever have. And historically the stock market has been 10%. I mean, your ROI in real estate can be exponential if you do it right and get with the right people.
1: Yeah. I wanted to pivot for a moment because we've got a couple more minutes here. Entrepreneur, like I, I, I'm very passionate about being an entrepreneur, a business owner. Can you share maybe a little bit about your journey, um, that pivotal moment of you kind of touched on it getting out of the trucking industry, but what was the real, the light bulb that said, I have to do this.
0: Uh, one of the big things, you know, just the backbreaking work, my shoulders started hurting. My knees started hurting. So I, I was actually delivering the grocery 40,000 pounds on a trailer into like seven 11 convenience stores running up and down a ramp. And, you know, your back hurts, your knees hurt, your shoulders hurt. You're sleeping in the back of a moving truck. It's just not good sleep. It's there just has to be a better way.
1: And now that you're, you know, a business owner, an entrepreneur, um, I mean, how many employees, what does the operation look like?
0: So we actually run it just right here in our uh, real estate office. It's generally um, the agents in the office we have. We about four or five agents that do it pretty consistently.
1: And then obviously all of the, the research that you guys have had to do to, I mean, it, it, you're kind of glossing over it because I don't think it would be that easy <laughs> for somebody to just go off into whatever county they are. Um, any, any mistakes that you guys made at the very beginning that you, you, uh, that you learned from?
0: So the, the first round of mobile homes that we did, we actually bought from a retailer. You know, a third-party retailer, they had the okay. mobile home license, and it was a nightmare. <laughs> they These mobile homes showed up missing siding, missing light bulbs, missing, you know, cabinets that were just crooked in the house. And they we had a hard, hard time getting these people out here to fix it, even though it was their responsibility to fix it because it happened before we owned it and in transit.
1: So when you say retailer, you're talking about a dealer as opposed to the factory. Yes, sir. Okay. And how did you, or can anybody go to a factory?
0: So generally you have to have a mobile home dealership license in order to go to the factory. Uh, There, you could realistically go to the factory, but the odds of them selling to you are next to none because they do work for volume.
1: Okay. So you guys have your license then? Yes. Okay. So what was the, so... Again, I love this kind of stuff, right? So you you buy from this retailer, it goes sideways on you. You've got all these warranty issues. How hard or what was the next step in your thought process? Hey, maybe we should go get our own
0: license. So, we actually ended up stepping in. We have a handyman service that's connected to our brokerage as well. So, we ended up having to step in and take on a lot of that work ourselves out of, you know, out of pocket. And You know, it was just one of those things where it's like, hey, this is the test run. This is we need to make sure this is even a viable option. Even with us doing all this extra work, there's still profit involved. There's still great margins. And then from there, it's like, hey, you know, we can bypass this problem if we just had the license. So one of our other agents here in the office, he actually went out and got the license.
1: Because for the retailer, when you buy something from them, who's doing all of that? Rating and lot clearing and marrying the things together, all those things you said at the beginning of the podcast.
0: So we still have to go out and find, we still had to go out and find our own people to be able to do all the other things. The only thing the retailer does is sell you the mobile home and bring it to you.
1: Well, delivery is delivery, right? (laughs) Um, Once you figure that out, it probably, you control it a little bit better, maybe even get it cheaper. Yeah. What a no brainer. I mean, that that's just brilliant that you guys did that. Um, Okay. And then uh, my final question regarding like sort of the business when you are now in the day to day, what does scaling look like for you guys? Because I'm always interested in that, you know, employees and how do we build this and what happens if there's what happens if people listen to this podcast and now you've got 100 <laughs> people trying to get in. Well, I mean, good problem to have. Absolutely. But uh, how does scaling look like uh, for you in this uh, business?
0: Uh, so we're looking we're, we're going to push for 200 this year. We're going to push for 200 wow. mobile homes this year. And scaling, we can bring in other agents. We can train them underneath us and make sure that they understand the process. We can teach them the process, uh, you know, generally so that we don't have to be involved with every step. We can have – we kind of delegate that responsibility to another agent. And we'd also like to get outside of, uh, you know, Georgia. And of course. Look into other states and – I mean, I'm not a huge fan of reading, but when it comes to the real estate side, man, I'll I'll read the Bible of real estate.
1: (laughs) Very enlightening. Um, Before we end the podcast, um, I ask every guest this question, so my audience knows this is coming. So uh, this is the Investing to Win podcast. How do you define success and what does winning look like for you?
0: Success, and I know it's different for everybody. Success for me is seeing other people succeed with me as we grow, as we continue to do more and more and push to be the best person we can be that day. And my big philosophy is, especially I tell my kids this every day, you need to give a hundred percent to what you're doing for what you have that day. You know, it doesn't have to be a hundred percent every single day. It has to be a hundred percent of what you have to give that day. That's success becoming just a little bit better every day. And as you grow to bring other people with you, you know, doing it by yourself, it it gets lonely real estate. I'm sure, you know, real estate can be a lonely journey. Investing can be lonely. And, you know, when you have the opportunity to find people that are like-minded like yourself and myself, you know, to be able to bring them along in the journey and really do it together is a complete game changer.
1: It's a win-win. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for enlightening me. Um, I learned a lot today, another asset class that I almost barely knew existed. And uh, I'll throw your contact info in the show notes so people know how to get in touch with you if they're interested. And we'll do a whole bunch of uh, promotion on social media on this as well.
0: Awesome. I appreciate you having me on.
2: I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Investing to Win podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this on. If this episode made you think of another investor, take a screenshot and share this podcast episode with them investing to win is not only about helping you to win more but win actually stands for wise investors network it's where we help our investors build a hands-off portfolio and have passive investments work for them to see how you can potentially partner with us go to www.wangcapitalcorp.com forward slash invest to book a time to speak with garrett and his team to see if there's a fit once again The link is www.wongcapitalcorp.com forward slash invest. All links can be found in the description below. Until next time.